Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. So let me open in prayer, and then we can get into uh, Matthew 19 here. Father, Yehovah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for your, this wonderful Shabbat. We thank you for just a wonderful day, a place that you have uh, set aside for us to come and gather and learn about you, grow closer to you and to one another here, Father. We do thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And Father, we acknowledge and we trust in whom you sent. That is your only son, Yahushua. Your very words that were made flesh has dwelt here and is bringing us back to you through his blood, Father. We thank you for that gift of love. Amen. Well, okay, where we were at last week, that's where we're going to pick up. Uh, it's in um, Matthew chapter 19. Uh, and first of all, too, I ask, uh, or we ask here at Living Messiah, the mic will be around if you have any comments. Uh, so uh, please keep your comments on point and uh, uh, try to keep them as brief as possible. Uh, but this week, um, let me uh, review real quickly. I do have a lot of information that I do want to get over. Looking at it, I was thinking, oh, you know, last week we were going to finish it, and then this week, we, or last week we didn't, this week we will. But it turns out that I did some more research, so I got some more things that I want to uh, put forth for you, a forming of an opinion. So, real quickly, we were talking about um, in Matthew nineteen sixteen, where, see, one came to him, good teacher, what, what good shall I do to inherit everlasting life. And we talked about this in some sense. It might be like this person was asking, what's that one thing that I can do to get, you know, to make sure I make it into the kingdom of heaven? So we discussed that a little bit. And he said to them, why do you call me good? There is no one good except one Elohim. And it's interesting. That terminology, um, as in this Hebrew roots movement or whatever it is, or let's just put it this way. As you go back and you really study scripture, things of, uh, are, you begin to look at the uh, things that stand out a little bit more. And one of them should be this phrase here, except one. This is Messiah's response to this gentleman. No one is good except one, echad. And it's interesting, that's specifically actually where Mark's going to be talking about and where we're in Deuteronomy. That's the Shema, that, that whole idea of being echad. So you find it here, you know, and believe it or not, you'll find it more often than you think if you start programming yourself to those concepts. So right here is a very, for the lack of better words, a very Jewish idea, a very Hebrew-Israeli idea of one. Elohim is one, right here, okay, in Matthew. Then he goes on and say, he said, uh, said to him, uh, which, and Yeshua said to him, you shall not murder. He goes through, and it's interesting, he starts going through the very things that are on that we find in Deuteronomy where he says, Shema Israel, listen, 
don't murder, don't kill, don't steal, don't da 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 And then, like the Ten Commandments giving there. So then it goes on. And uh, this, young, this young man said to him, all things I have watched over from my youth, what do I still lack? And Yeshua said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasures or treasure in the, in the heavens, and come follow me. And the young man heard the word, and he went away sad because he had many possessions, Okay. So it's interesting, we talked about, and this is what I kind of want to really go over some more here uh, uh, today, is this young man, he went away troubled, and we'll, we'll, see later, we'll see here coming up, the apostles were even troubled by this comment, okay? And Yeshua said to his taught ones, truly I say to you, it is harder for a man, uh, a, a rich man, to enter the reign of heaven than to go, uh, then for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And we talked about that, and I don't want to belabor that uh, at all. Then it goes on, and, and then his taunt ones heard it, okay? Hearing that it's hard for a rich man to enter in the heavens. Very difficult for this rich man with many possessions to enter the kingdom. And when, the, when they, were, they were astonished, and they said, then who is able to be saved? So... So we do, ultimately, what we see going on here, we, hear, we see a salvation in the kingdom being paralleled. With the same kind of, con uh, they're being paralleled here. And looking intently, Yeshua said to them, with men this is impossible, but with Elohim all is possible. That's, that's wonderful, but really what does that mean? Because we were talking last week. I mean, okay, this, this rich guy, he can't get into heaven because he has money. You know, it seems like it, in some ways if we just focus on, on dissected just this text only and nowhere else, it would seem like the rich have no possibility ever entering the kingdom of heaven. But is that true? Okay, and Yeshua said to them, truly I say to you, the son of man... Uh, sits on his throne in his steam, and you have followed me uh, in the rebirth, so um, shall, shall also sit, where, uh, sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So he goes on, and you see this unity that is to come to the future as well of all the tribes being together. Okay? So... Was this young person a spoiled rich kid? You know? Because it's interesting here, he says, from his youth. He's young, he's from youth. All of a sudden, he, um, Pat's not here today, so I'm going to share what she shared with me last week that I thought was interesting. So, well, how could that young man, being young, have so much wisdom and know and kept all the commandments and so perfect if he's so young? You know what I mean? And I thought, well, that is. That sounds like it. it's kind of an arrogant statement that this young, young ruler or young person is having. So, so traditional tra uh, teachings portray wealth, uh, uh, wealth, and uh, wealth as hindrance to salvation, which I do agree. Okay, uh, but that's no more than some other stuff out there. Okay. Just not money or having wealth is the only hindrance to humanity of entering the kingdom, wouldn't you say? There's, in some ways, there's some far other worse things out there that I would see 
rather than money. So it's just getting to understand maybe what Messiah is trying to portray here. And that's kind of what I want to focus on. Now, this story is in Mark and Luke. So uh, let's look at the wording uh, of these witnesses as well, okay? And again, I'm not uh, going to give you, I'll, maybe hopefully, depending on how far we get, I'll give you my opinion and my evaluation, but my, really my intent here is showing you um, all the evidence that I've gathered so we can form a, a reasonable let's say, a reasonable opinion about this circumstance and maybe why Messiah answered the way he did and why the apostles were, were kind of troubled as well at the same amount because it seems like they were poor and he's rich and the apostles are saying, well, who, who, who then, you know? So it's interesting. Um, in Mark 10, we find the same story. And as he was sitting, uh, setting out on the way, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit everlasting life? And Yeshua said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except one Elohim. The same concept there. Uh, uh, here, the youth is not used in this particular one. And here we have this guy out of nowhere come running. Okay. You know the commandments. He goes on. He shares the commandments. And it's interesting here. He's saying, you know the commandments. So for some reason, whoever he's addressing here, Messiah is uh, recognizing this person and assuming you know you should know the commandments, knowing that this person, it wasn't just some, I would say he was more uh, Judean or one who was practicing the commandments. And Messiah knew by, I would say, visually, quickly, that this, you know the commandments, okay? It wasn't just some foreign uh, Gentile out of nowhere, all right? So, and Yeshua, looking at him, loved him. Now, that's different, okay, from the other one. Uh, other one. And then said to him, uh, one, one matter, or one you lack, one matter you lack. Go sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you shall have treasures in the heavens. And come, follow me, taking up your stake. So it's interesting there. He follows up here, verse Matthew. He says, and take up your stake. And remember how we, went, we looked at that wording already in Matthew. To take up your stake, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your personal authority and follow me. So Messiah's putting this huge responsibility back on that person, which that's us. We have a responsibility to take ownership of who we are and our actions and then follow him. Not have sit back on the couch and say, just do everything for me. Okay? So, so yes, you, like Paul says, work out your salvation. Work it out. <laughs> okay? So then he goes on. But he, uh, being sad, this is that, the, this gentleman coming up, being sad at this word, went away grieved, for he had many possessions. And Yeshua, looking around, said to his taught ones, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the reign of the kingdom of heaven, or the reign of Elohim. So the same kind of concept that's going on here. You know the commandments. We looked at that. Uh, one thing that you lack. So in some sense, Messiah is kind of narrowing, summing up this person. 
yes, uh, we all understand who Messiah is, but for the lack of that, let's just look at it like he's just gauging everything that is around him and using just basic wisdom, okay? All right? So there is something, uh, I tend to try to go by that avenue as well. Yes, we know Messiah has, his, uh, has that deity that goes along with him. But sometimes it's nice to put that deity just off to the side and look how he's evaluating things. Because then it actually kind of makes us look at things a little bit harder and actually puts more responsibility up on, upon us in that sense. Or we tend to maybe look at the text and see some uh, important things, okay? So you, uh, one thing you lack. So let's just say Messiah maybe knew this person in some way. Maybe, again, how he's dressed is a possibility. Maybe he knew um, uh, certain things, okay? His status, maybe, uh, due to how he was dressed. This is just my speculations here, basic, basic speculations here. But one thing that we see again repeats there, all your possessions, that gets repeated, all your possessions. No mention of being young and, and, uh, from, this, from Mark's gospel, um, but the same concept, sell all your possessions, sell all that you have. Then Luke 18, same story, and a certain ruler, here it's ruler, Okay, and we know he must be rich, and he was a running. If we take the other witnesses, okay, a rich running ruler came up to him, okay, <laughs> all right, asked them, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit everlasting life? Same, basically, the same story. So Yeshua said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except one Elohim. So if we, so if we recognize when he said, you know the commandments, then maybe he's saying, well, you know the Shema. You know only Elohim is echad and one and good. Okay? So maybe he was kind of correcting him, maybe on his thinking, his theology there, maybe his religious preferences, you know? At this point, we don't know if this, um, like we've seen in the past, he's been tested by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, um, and even other people. But right here, we're not sure if exactly this you know, this person is trying to test him on things, or he's just honest, has honest questions from where he's at in life, okay, and his upbringing. You know the commandments, so obviously he's, besides assuming this gentleman knew the commandments, and he said, all these, and again, all these things I have watched over from my youth, ever since I can remember. And hearing uh, this, Yeshua said to him, yet one you lack, again, Messiah's pointing out, okay, you're lacking something in here. You're doing, isn't that strange? Think about it. Well, I do all the commandments, but yet Messiah's saying you're lacking somewhere. Okay? And we did see this in the history of Israel. A lot of times they were doing all the commandments, but yet it seemed like there's something lacking because certain things come upon them. Okay? So, and he said, all these things I have watched over from my youth. And hearing this, Yeshua said to him, yet one you lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. Again, we could say that's possessions, right? All that you have and distribute to the poor. And you shall have treasure in the heavens and come follow me. Again, this commandment that seems to be in there of if we just evaluate it, Messiah is saying, Elohim is one, do the Ten Commandments, and there's more, and follow me. 
But when he heard this, he became intensely sad. So this, this ruler is sad at this answer, for he was extremely rich. So yes, I do believe there's something here with possessions and money that we're going to look at, okay? And, but we have to take into account, why were the apostles like, wow, how can anyone get into heaven then? Okay, what were maybe, what could we, uh, as we go through here, maybe we can see why they thought certain things that they thought. And which I would say is probably no different than today, okay? Because we have tons of extremes all the time. Then Yeshua saw uh, that he became intensely sad, and he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the reign, uh, the reign of heaven, or reign of Elohim. So sell what you have. Luke speaks more about riches than any gospel from what I could gather when I was doing my research. Luke itself talked about various parables and, and money situations, okay, than any of the other ones that I, at least how I was looking at it in my research, okay? There's no mention of a young ruler here. Before we get, um, go too far, let's look at what was written down for us beforehand, okay? Again, I think that's one of the important things I'm learning in my life. Always go back to what was written before, okay? Because we can't interpret Messiah's words or the apostles' words outside of knowing what was written down before, you know? And I think in some ways in the past, the places that we've come out of, that's been flipped. (laughs) A lot of that stuff has been done away with, and things have been redefined, or misunderstood, okay? But we, let's not do that, or at least that's what I, I tried to practice to go back there. Because we all have baggage, and I know we still, all of us have still old baggage, but the Father's dealing with us as we go along and we're learning and we're gonna grow closer and closer with Him. So we need to understand this from the foundations, the, um, from, uh, founda- from, uh, from that foundational point of view. And obviously, I'm talking about going back to the beginning of Scripture, the Tanakh or uh, the five books of Moses and the prophets as well. So in Genesis, because we just read, it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? But isn't this strange? We have Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, right? This is, is Abraham considered our, our father of our faith? And he was rich. Okay, but then Messiah showing up, <laughs> rich people gonna have a hard time. But yet, Father Abraham seems to be the foundation of who we are. Well, what was interesting, this very word, uh, I'm going to pronounce it. Uh, I've been practicing what I screwed up. But it's uh, kaved and kavad, okay? This very word is rooted in another word, uh, kavod. Kavod uh, comes from this root, and kavod means glory. Remember, the glory of the Lord, okay? And it has the idea of weightiness. So in reality, this, uh, this very word here that is rich, I think it's kind of wrong. And the more I'm learning, it's like, I know what they were trying to convey here, to tell you that Abraham was wealthy, right? But I think they could have still 
did a better job here in the translation. And it's not putting down the translators because they've done a great job, difficult over the years. But so it would read, Abraham was very heavy in livestock, in silver and gold, inferring he was wealthy and rich and he had a lot of possessions, okay? So there's nothing wrong with it, uh, with the word rich, but that's not the word I was looking for. So when I came here, I was like, wow, oh, okay. It still meant the same thing, okay? But the word that we are looking for that I went back and was trying to chase that really uh, meant uh, accumulating wealth or property, uh, making someone rich or, or, or wealthy, or even, you know, really has the concept of rich, is um, ashar, okay? How I remembered that one, I'll shower my sandwich with you, okay? That's, that's, I know you do stupid things, but that's how I was trying to, ashar, ashar, okay? Now, this word is really the one that has, is, as far as I could tell, really identifying with uh, uh, coin, coinage and money, you know, and possessions. And that, for instance, in uh, 1 Samuel 2, and Yahuwah uh, puts to death and makes alive, he brings down to the grave and raises up. Yahuwah makes, uh, makes poor, makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. Okay. So if we take this going back and looking at how Messiah is talking about, oh, basically you get the impression rich men are going to have a hard time getting to heaven. So if we, if we don't go through all of Scripture, which I'm going to do, we could sit and now like, well, yeah, the Father makes poor people and then he makes rich people so they won't get into heaven. Do you know what I mean? Because he makes sure he gives them money. But I that's not what I'm proclaiming, but if we don't look at, uh, uh, Gary has his hand up. So if we don't really look at everything in a whole, in context, you know, we can go stray real quickly. Because there's a, um, whether you're aware of it or not, some people think, well, you just get rid of everything and almost live like a bum. That's what Jesus wants you to do. And I am not convinced that that is the case. And I'll show you why. Okay, but yet there is dangers there as well. Gary, I'm listening to what you're saying. It seems what came to my mind is the scripture says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil," mm-hmm. and that and that um, there's a difference if you're wealthy because you love money versus you've been blessed by the Father to be wealthy. Yes, and that you, uh, thank you, Gary, because we're going to read where that is. That's uh, in Timothy, and we're going to read all that. So. Uh, hopefully I can get all through this and maybe we'll, we'll actually come back next week and like sum it up again, okay? But uh, regardless, but uh, Gary's getting really spot on to really what's going on here, okay? Uh, one, because he's wise and he probably read his Bible, <laughs> all right? And, and the thing is, so, but at the end of the day, my hope is at least, what you'll see from various places that I gather. So what, however you're thinking, if you're thinking the same as Gary, it's only going to um, uh, make it more concrete, okay? And you know why. Because there's a lot of times we believe things, all right? And maybe we don't have all the evidence all the time, you know? I find it's something that we do sometimes. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this and that. And we just repeated something from some pastor, but we never researched it ourselves. The pastor could be right, all right? 
But you want to know that to be right because what you have seen and what you have read, you know? I think that is important as well. Thank you, Gary. So this concept, we're going to trace that word, ashar, uh, meaning wealth. Here's one. Praise Yah. Blessed is the man who fears Yahuwah, who has greatly uh, delighted in his commandments. Mighty in the earth shall be his seed. The generation of straight ones or righteous ones uh, shall be blessed. Wealth and riches are in, the, in his house, and his righteousness is, uh, is standing forever. So here, uh, it's interesting. We have all of a sudden, we seem, it seems like the righteous are the rich ones are having the blessings. Yes. Uh, let me have them. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Polly, go ahead, and then I'll have, uh, I'll have it come up front here. I want to comment on our perspective of wealth or riches often come from the culture we're raised in here in America. We have a certain perspective or concept of what wealth or riches look like based upon what we've seen around us. And just coming back from the land, this may be a little fresher in my mind, and Jerry maybe has traveled more across different places than where we have. So Jerry, please chime in if you need to. The wealth and riches that we saw were never in lavish homes, were never in abundance of a spread of a home. We went into mayor's homes and got to visit with them, and they were very, very small. We went into attorneys' homes. They're very small. The, the, the possessions are very minimum. The wealth is in their connection to the father and their connection to the land they ha and their family. They are very much connected to families in a way we don't see here. They're very much connected to the father in ways we don't see here, but they're very, very, very connected to the land. It's what they're doing in being connected to the land, the, the vineyards, the orchards, what they're planting, what they are, the seed they're putting in the ground. Mm -hmm. Or were involved somewhere in that. Their homes are built on top of each other, something that we would never even consider living with four or five people underneath us, on top of us, and all around. But they value the land so much that they do not take it up with their houses and their homes. They live very modestly so that the land can be abundant in production. Awesome. Thank you, Polly. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways that we can look at what wealth is and people define this is, you know? Yeah, so there is a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, so uh, we had um, Joe. Okay. Uh, in um, the verses where uh, 17 of uh, chapter 12 is it was Pharaoh who gave uh, Abraham a lot of uh, his sheep, cattle, male, and donkeys, females, male, and servant. Evidently, because of the uh, deceiving that Abraham was given to Pharaoh, saying that Sarah was his uh, sister instead of his wife. And uh, it's kind of like uh, Pharaoh... Uh, kind to uh, smooth everything over, gave uh, 
at Abraham all this wealth. Because evidently when he and his wife and everything he had and lot with him into this uh, Neva, Abraham became wealthy, going back up to he became wealthy because of the gifts that Pharaoh has bestowed on him because of Sarah. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I think it's interesting. So we do have this righteous Abraham and then being blessed. And what uh, that reminds you, does that not remind us of a story that will happen in the future that we just celebrated? They were in Egypt and they left with money. They left with possessions and wealth. So it's interesting that you see this, you know, all right? And all of it to play, this is the hand of the Father on this too. We just read how he, he's the one who uh, will give riches or make poor. Yes, sister. Uh, they have two kinds of preaching. The rich, egotistical, and rich who pay the, the, um, the premise. They pay the, he give it to the poor, he help everybody else. That's the kind of rich that God wants people be because he helped them to help somebody else. But when you have rich and you don't help or you don't do any, any, Sadaka, I don't know how to call it. Sadaka in English or Spanish. Righteous, yeah. A charity, okay. charity. A charity. Yes. So you don't do the things the way God wants you to do. No, it, yes, I agree. So it, it, this, yes, this is a, a, a kind of a big subject, you know, in some sense, you know. And so you... What I was doing, or what I'm trying to do, is just go through and look at the verses, how they're put down. Because if you just stick to one set, you're going to be so far one way. Or if you stick to the other set, you'll be so far this way. And then the other part, okay, well, it sounds like it's in between. How do we work that out? What is to, how do we use our wisdom to find where we're at, you know, in that? And some of these answers I don't have. You know, and, and a lot of it might be just our personal walk, and we know what we do, okay? So, but let's look at some more. Proverbs 10, 22. Uh, the blessing of Yahuwah makes one rich. This is that word that has the idea of physical possessions, okay, too. So, and I'm not saying Scripture doesn't have that idea of that abstract and uh, pictures of other things, you know, being rich, but yet it still deals with, remember, Hebrew is a concrete language. So this is, you know, blessing of Yahweh makes one rich. That means with something, not just the state of mind, but with something, possessions as well. And he adds no pain to it. Yes, that's the nice part to remember too. Amen. Proverbs 2, I'm sorry. Can you read the verse before that? No, I just have... Can I read it? Sure. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. So that has context. Why, why is this guy getting blessed with riches? He's, he's doing wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and what's wisdom? The fear of God. He's doing what the Father wants him to do. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, John. Proverbs 22. A good man is preferably, a good name is preferably to great riches. So here, this idea is being uh, um, parallel with something else. Favor is better than silver and gold. 
So we also do find that out in our life. Sometimes it's not always money, but knowing who you know, get that right job, right? You know, not so, you know, you didn't pay anyone off, you didn't do a bribe, but you knew the right person, you know? The rich and the poor meet together. Yahuwah is the maker of them all. Hmm, interesting. A clever one, a clever one foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple go on and are punished. The reward of humanity is the fear of Yahuwah. There's that idea of fearing him. Riches and esteem and life. Can I have a comment? Sure. Sorry. How do rich, how do poor learn how to become rich? Don't they hang out with the rich people and figure out what they're doing? I mean, it's just common sense. It, it is. Rich people think differently. That's a good, not necessarily a bad I thing. Mean, I mean, just, oh, I don't want to say, yeah, I'm going to say it anyhow. Just politically, you know, if you make the rich go away, where do you think you're going to get your jobs from? You know what I mean? I mean, to me, it's a simple thing. Because I've been around a lot of wealthy people, and they like, a lot of them like to reinvest their money, and they... You know, they go and start all kinds of things. And that makes work for me and you. So anyhow, we're going to go on. Proverbs 14. The crowd of the wise is their wealth. The folly of fools is folly. So they're like John was saying. We do see in Proverbs how, you know, you know uh, something wealthy, wisdom can be one of those things as well. Uh, Psalms 52 has this. See the man who did not make Elohim his strength. This is where I think we're really getting to what Messiah is actually doing here. Elohim is strength, but trusted in his many riches, being strong, uh, being strong in his destruction. So here we see even the Father, he just talked about riches or blessings for the righteous, but yet at the same time we see here, he's also putting uh, something else here. It's like, okay... But if someone's going to trust in all those riches, that's his destruction. It's his wealth and his money. Yes, sister. You know, a uh, old uh, word they say in my country: you don't know who for, you don't know who you were for. Mm-hmm. You know, when the people became rich and they selfish, they don't share with nobody. They're working, accumulating more gold or things. You know, when they die. They don't have it with them because they go and the way they coming with nothing. Um, I think that, that what uh, Yeshua wanna wanna say or, or, or teaching the people is be sharing, is be helping each other. Is if you have a more because some people are smart to make a money, some people not. But we come in this world to learn different skills. You know, mm-hmm. many skills. I have a son skills. I learning easily. But another, my daughter, learn a computer, thing like that, I can. You know, but we need, we need each other to help him. Yes. No, thank you, sister. Um, actually, Psalms 49, I was, it, read it for yourself. It does talk a lot about this uh, concept that we're talking about. First Chronicles 29. Yours, Yahuwah, is the, the greatness, the power and the commonness and the preeminence and the, uh, and the excellency. Because of all that is in the heavens and in the earth, yours is the reign, Yahuwah, and you are exalted as a uh, head above all. And the riches 
and the esteem come from your presence. I brought this one in because here we have that word riches, okay? Um, but then we saw that other word, kaved, meaning heavy. And now we have that idea, that heaviness, that glory, esteem, that glory. They're kind of paralleled here. Esteem come from your presence and your rule over, and your hand is power and might, and your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Yes. Yes, uh, in uh, 1424, it says the crown of the wise is their riches. Going back to the rich young ruler, his wealth was his crown, was on top of his head, and that's why he did not want to surrender his crown. So, uh, you know the rest of the story. Yeah, no, that very well could be. That very well could be. Thank you. Proverbs 30. Every word of Eloha, Eloha or Elohim is tried. He is a shield to those taking refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you be found a liar. Two matters I have asked of you. Den uh, deny them not to me before I die. Remove falsehood and lying words far from me. Give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me my portion of bread. I think that's kind of interesting there. Okay? Because it's, what's that? It's triada, what? Say the word about the first verse. Every word of Elohe is. Oh, it's tried. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> oh, it's a footnote or something. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't have that footnote. Sorry. Um, but so it's interesting here, at least uh, this person in Proverbs is coming up with, it's like he's seeing there, I don't know if the, what the word would be, a dichotomy or, or whatever. There is a danger with riches, but yet at the same time, you do need them. I know with me, I'm self-employed. I, you know, I need money. <laughs> like you guys, right? You need money. It's just the way it is, Right? And you can't say that he never intended the money to be, but regardless, we see that it's part of the temple and the tabernacle and how that operates. So the father's quite aware of finances and how they work, okay? And we don't need to go down that way. But it's like, okay, finding how he means us to work with that. Because in some ways, if you just... No, I won't say that. So um, we have another comment. Yes, sister. In Mark um, 10, 21, um, wait a minute, uh, 21, he said, Yeshua, looking at him, loved him and said to him. So he actually saw what, that he was serious about this, that, I mean, his heart, that he Very was really, point. he really wanted to do what is right, but because of his riches, the riches held him back. Yeah, there's he, he picked something there. riches over what our Savior offered. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Good point. So let's jump ahead. Then we'll come back to our Matthew portion. Gary uh, had just mentioned this verse. First uh, Timothy 6. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot one here. Jeremiah 9. I have wanted to bring the prophets into this as well. That says, Yahweh, let the wise boast in their wisdom. Let not the mighty boast in his might, nor let the rich boast in his riches. But let him boast, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahuwah, 
doing kindness, right ruling, and righteousness in the earth. For these I delight, declare Yahuwah. So even from the prophets, it's like they're trying to, uh, the message is being balanced out here, okay, in some way. So in Timothy, this is where uh, Brother Gary was talking about. I'm going to read, I forget how many verses here, but it's really interesting here. And now Timothy, let's just say, okay, he read the Bible, all right? And remember, the New Testament, at least what I can see from here, really wasn't written. They just knew of the testimony of the one who was risen from the dead, all right? So even if the New Testament was out, it was very young, okay? So regardless, he's, you know, we have Timothy. He's well-rounded here. So let those who are servants under a yoke Regard their own masters, their bosses, okay? Worthy of all respect. Least, uh, least the name of Elohim and his teachings be blasphemed. So it means do good to your boss, even though he might be a crab and you don't like him, you don't like him to be there. Make sure you behave the right way because if you don't, you're bringing the Father's name down. You're breaking one of the commandments, okay? And those who have belie- uh, believing masters... Let them not uh, disregard them um, because they are brothers, okay? You can see it works both ways here, too. But rather serve them because they are believing in loved ones, those receiving of the good service in return. Teach and urge these matters. If anyone teaches differently and does not agree to, to sound words, what would those sound words be written down beforehand? It would be what's coming out of the snock from the Father. Those of the Master, Yahuwah, Messiah, and to the teachings which is according to reverence. He is puffed up, understanding uh, none at all, but is uh, uh, sick about questioning, questioning and verbal battles from which come envy, strife, slander, w- uh, wicked uh, superstitions, suspicions, uh, worthless disputes of men of corrupt minds and deprived of the truth who think that reverence is a means of gain, withdraw from such. Okay, you know when someone's just flattering in you and, you know, you know I've watched, I've had some wealthy friends in the back in my past, you know, I mean really wealthy friends that I've come in contact with, and I've watched these other people oh, smooze up to them. They could care less about this person. They wanted just to be friends with the money, you know? Friends with the, the guy, the young kid who has money, all right? Anyhow, okay? Uh, but reverence with uh, contempt is, uh, is great uh, gain, for we, uh, for we brought not unto the world, and it is impossible to take away. So you didn't bring anything in, you ain't taking anything out, right? That's an old wise tale that I've heard. When we have food and covering, we shall be satisfied with these. But those wishing to be rich fall into trial and in, in a snare, and into many foolish and um, lusts which... Um, Plunge man into ruin and destruction. Here it is. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money's not the evil thing. It's that love where your desire is. 
for which some by longing for it have strayed from the belief, from the trust, and pierced themselves through with many pains. But you, O man of Elohim, flee from all this. He's not saying flee from money. Flee from that, of loving that, okay? And pursue righteousness, reverence, because Abraham was righteous and he had money, okay? Um, endurance, uh, a belief, love, endurance, meekness. Fight the good fight of belief. Lay hold on everlasting life. So you can see how even Timmy's bringing, uh, Timothy's bringing in that idea of money being associated, just like the Messiah. Um, for which you were called and have uh, confessed the, the good confession before many witnesses, the sight of Elohim who gives life to all, and the Messiah, Yeshua, who witnesses the good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you that you guard the commands. He sounds a lot like Messiah, doesn't he? Um, spotless, blameless, until the appearing of the Master Yahuwah, which is his own, which his own season he shall reveal the blessed and the, um, the blessed and only ruler, the sovereign of sovereigns, the master of masters, um, who alone is immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or is able to see, to whom be respect and everlasting might. Amen. Change those, uh, charge those who are rich in the present age not to be high-minded, not to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living Elohim who gives us richly all for enjoyment. To do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come so that they lay hold on everlasting life. Timothy, watch over that which has been entrusted to you, turning aside from the profane and the empty babblings and contradictions of falsely called knowledge, which some, having professed it, have missed the goal. What's the goal? Messiah is the goal and the Torah is the goal, right? Concerning the belief. Favor be with you, amen, amen. So, this, we're going to have to finish next week. Oh, uh, oh, I find in Deuteronomy 15, 7, 8, 10, and 11, they say, Is there is among you a poor man, or you reading or writing any of the gates in, the, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not be hardened your heart, nor should your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him, and willing lend him sufficient for his need. Whatever he needs, you shall surely give it to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give it to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hands. For this poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, 
to you poor and your needy in your land. I think it's not only giving them the people only the thing he's needed, like food, like clothing, like anything. But I think it's more important give it to them to the knowledge to these people poor, they don't have a you know, to wait to study teaching them too, how to learn things to be self sufficient, you know? Mm -hmm. It's the part of the richness when I know some people are rich, they pay the college, they pay the university to people, they know they have a talent for something. This is my thing to weigh. When you have a something to share with another, do we rejoice, you know? Yeah. To yeah. rejoice for the people because it's more you giving, it's more you receiving. Awesome. Thank you, sister. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close in prayer and then we'll pick this up and we will finish the nineteen and and then next week, we can all summarize uh, even more on some of the things that we looked at and then crisscross them, all right? And maybe get a, I'll, I'll share with you what I believe is going on, why Messiah and the apostles were uh, confused or troubled at what Messiah was saying, okay? Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for your words. We thank you for your guidance. Be with us today and may it be... Um, maybe joy to you, Father, as we lift up your name. We thank you again, and we invite you to be with us today. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Those online will be back in about 25 minutes or so. Thank you, Ralph. Shabbat shalom.